All the wrong faces. <laughs> it's good that everything's a song to you guys. Yeah, everything is a song. There's a yeah. song in everything. I was singing to Dan Duran just a moment ago. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, <laughs> from memory, I was trying to sing his theme, but for some reason it's not available to me. Yeah. No, the music. Dan uh, Duran. Know, parts, parts of songs are always available yeah. to you guys. Yeah. Um, before we start the show, have a listen to this. Come on. No. That's not it. <laughs> that's for, by the way, that is for the show. I think this is what I wanted to play. In a world where everyone is politically correct, two men decide to change the fate of mankind forever. Howard Glassman. I just remember those early boners, you know, and you'd have the slow dance. (laughs) And Fred Patterson. Uh, Do you want to go from shit to piss? Come together to create the best podcast experience ever. If you don't take my word for it, then you're just a pansy. That was, that was literally the worst. I, no, I, you know what? I, that deserved websites was horrible. Hang on. Here we go. Dan. Humble and Fred. Truly independent. So there you go. That's a little. If you haven't heard our show before and you're wondering what we're doing these days, that's pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's you know, our last intern. <laughs> that was from our last intern. That's yeah. right. When I watch my sports at night, you know, forever, sports casting is big for, you know, acknowledging, uh, uh, you know, longevity and uh, contribution to the sport and broadcasting and all these guys getting, you know, inducted or put into these Hall of Fames or whatever they are. And I always... <laughs> I always think that I guess you got to wear a suit and be distinguished and always serious. And if you have a little joke, it must be a bit corny. And that's how you get into Hall of Fames. Oh, is it moving from piss to shit? Isn't going to get you there. It's not going to get you there. Okay. I just if if it happens though, we should submit that clip. Hey, do you guys have any clips you want to play before as we induct you into the broadcast hall of fame? Oh yeah, yeah, we have we found one. Mm. Yeah. So that's once funny. you go there, you know you're pretty well not going in any hall of anything. No, no, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I wonder uh, if, and what the radio hall of fame is like if you're wandering down a corridor with you know pictures of people and then oh, a yeah. button that you push and you hear a little sampling of their show you and know, Jesse you and Gene will be in there yeah. of course and Roger yeah. Rick and Marilyn you know yeah, right. the yeah. great uh, make- disgraced broadcaster John Derringer speaking of which by the way uh, Jeff Woods it's weird you know Woodsy Woodsy you know if we're speaking of sports Woodsy has yeah. been on the show more than one time has he not oh yeah okay well, the first thing I want to ask him is on Twitter last night, as I was shutting it down, I was just sort of looking at our feed and mm-hmm. he had sort of retweeted. I guess Boone had put out uh, tomorrow on the show, Jeff Woods, and he sort of retweeted first time for everything. What the fuck does that mean? Howard, come on. How often do we forget stuff? Like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I was going to get all angry, but now, now you've... Honestly, how good, often? No, we, that is a good point. It, it happened recently. We had somebody on the show that was near and dear to your heart. That my, guy yeah, April Wine. From April Wine, and you I forgot. Oh, I give Jeff Woods a pass. Okay. No, I, you know what? guilty as sin. <laughs> no, that's true. Of all the things he does, 
he's forgot that he was on here a couple of times. Yeah, you're uh, right. I get, no, you're right. I, get I was going to go on a bit of a rant there, but you're right. Um, <laughs> Because I'll tell you why. This morning I uh, wrote a note to my buddy because as a guy, a guy I work out with online, and I said, "Hey, are we supposed to work out today? I didn't see it on our schedule." And then, of course, I was looking at the wrong day. I wrote him back. I'm like, "Oh, okay, so we are." Mm. Um, and I, I want to tell you that as an, uh, you, you mentioned there was an anniversary here locally in Toronto. Yeah, I just acknowledge it because I, you know a lot of people of our age will feel yeah. all warm and fuzzy. It's the 50th anniversary of City TV. It launched September 28th, uh, 1972. Uh, City TV Channel 79 at the time when UHF, uh, UHF channels were in their infancy. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, the band was always there, but they started to have UHF channels, and that pretty much may have been Toronto's first one. Of course, it was available on Cable 7 uh, because it was local. But again, a great little uh, TV station at the time, like so many other outlets in the media. You know, it uh, it was born with the intention of uh, following a a promise of performance, and it was going to be organic and for the city and uh, raw, and it was all those things for many years. Yeah. And now it just repeats American programs like the rest of them. Let's see if I can get you the... uh, Do you think we should invest in uh, YouTube premiums so we can use it for the show? I don't have to wait for the video. We'll play after ad. Sure. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to get you the uh, City TV uh, theme from the 70s. And this will be... Uh... Here we go. Oh, this is uh, for the new music opening. Oh, sorry. Okay, well, it's some City TV thing. Speaking of the new music, I saw John... Uh... Roberts on Fox News yesterday. It's sort of sad what's happened to him. He's bought into all that bullshit. Has he really gone full on uh, mm-hmm. well, Fox? He just, yeah, like he's. I thought he was going to be the moderate guy there. No, no, he's leaning. He's doing what he has to to be at that at that network, and I guess good on him. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. Um, but well, City TV uh, again was great back in, in seventy. All you know, Speakers Corner, all that stuff, Electric Circus. That we yeah. well, we did Speakers the, Corner, the three of us. Yeah, and yeah, all that stuff, and they would make a show out of it at the end of the week. And uh, the Baby Blue movie. I was sixteen, seventeen years old. And it was the buzz in the city every Friday night at midnight. Mm-hmm. They would show a movie. It would be tits. You wouldn't see any bush. Titty. Just boobs. Just boobs. Wait a second. I, I'm sorry. So titty, no bush. Oh, no Bush back then. No so Bush. titty, no Bush, Dan. But boobs on television. <laughs> the odd time I would come home on a Friday night, right, thinking, oh, the baby blue movie's on at noon. I wonder if I'll see any boobs. And I'd go down and my dad would be watching it. Very uncomfortable. Yeah, no good. Like, good night, Dad. Um, by the way, um, that uh, what I was going to say, Dan and I and you did our own yeah. commercial. Yeah. At uh, at Speaker's Corner, but but you and I actually were on Electric Circus, or we were the yes. bit was we were trying to get on Electric Circus. Uh, I do have a little John Roberts, uh, the guy that you can now see on Fox News. This is what he sounded like in 1979. Welcome to the new music. I'm J.D. Roberts. And I'm Jeannie Becker. First on the show tonight, one of the most decadent people in the rock world since leaving Yes. All right, that's all. Yeah. Um, one one uh, further note to that. The reason... Yesterday, Joe Biden um, makes a big announcement about uh, prescriptions and health care in the United right. States of America. But pretty, pretty resounding, like quite a breakthrough. And then I thought, is Fox even showing this? No, nope. they weren't even showing it because it was yeah. good news about 
and this is the network that's always talking about CNN being fake news and not covering good things. Sure. The other side. And, 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 and John was on the desk. That's why I thought of it. That's and it's interesting. I said this to you yesterday. I've said it before, but mm-hmm. the people that are most affected by the policies of the right, the ones that are yeah. the sad people who are diabetic, found out yesterday from their president that they were going to cap insulin at $35 a month, which is a huge yeah. breakthrough. Absolutely. And, and again, the red state people are the people most affected by this policy, but they're not being, it's not being celebrated. And again, it's disinformation. Um, mm-hmm. I have finally found something I wanted to play for you. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, for a cheerful toast and fill it, happy anniversary. Um, and before I forget, we should add uh, uh, Titty No Bush to our pre-Hall uh, of Fame yeah. induction <laughs> ceremony. So uh, how this anniversary came up, Dan, is before the show, Fred was telling me that there was an anniversary at City TV. And I said, well, there's another anniversary. This is about 15 minutes ago. And Fred said, what, what is it? And I said, well, I don't, well, if you don't remember, I want to save it for the show. Because it was September 28th, 1972. You can hear the audio, but uh, in this video clip, and I should send it to you, Freddie and Dan, but it's cool because it shows Canadians all over the country, all over uh, in the in the stands, and there are different Canadians, including uh, our Prime Minister. Who is that guy? <laughs> Pierre Elliott? No. It, our, oh. it was that other Diefenbaker dude. It was oh, okay. It was Diefenbaker. Oh, wow. He wasn't the sitting prime minister at the time, was he? No. Maybe not, but there's a shot oh, of no. him. It was Trudeau. So it was Trudeau in 72. Yeah. But well, Diefenbaker but, was still alive. They still yeah. had him. They were still pumping stuff into him to keep him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, there's just a clip of him and his uh, wife at the time, I guess. And uh, yeah, people were old looking in those days. Anyway, it uh, doesn't matter. 1972, uh, none of it would have mattered had Paul Henderson not scored the yeah. winning goal in game six, in game seven, and then again in game eight. Tell me that's not remarkable, and I will not believe you. <laughs> and you know the same old thing the guy he scored on who never played in the nhl and was apparently a mediocre russian goalie is in the hall of fame yeah Trechak, and paul henderson is not how is that possible you know what that's that's the early you know that that was um early days of being politically correct you know, I guess they thought it was cool. Let's, you know, bring some Russians, Europeans into the Hall of Fame. Let's be different. It's, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, the hockey Trichak didn't have that great a career like in yeah. Russia. Like, you know, going into the tournament, they said, hey, the goaltending's mediocre. So he had the series of his life and he makes yeah. he makes the Hall of Fame. Henderson has the series of his life and he doesn't. Here's a, it's interesting. 
And the Hockey Hall of Fame has been displaying Henderson's Game 8 stick as part of the uh, 1972 Canadian or Canada team exhibit. It's been going on this whole month or the month of September. Yeah. Uh it's interesting because one of the first lines of this article I'm, I'm sharing with you now is that he's not been inducted himself, however, which strikes some greats as wrong, including the great Wayne Gretzky commenting on the fact that it's one of the most incredible goals scored in, in the history of our game. And that guy, mm-hmm. and by the way, he's 79 years old. He's been battling cancer for uh, 10 years or so. Yeah, the longest boat of cancer. I he, well, he's putting up a good battle. He's putting up the kind of battle I will not be putting. He's one of those guys. Yeah, that has he's one battle. of those guys. That's not the kind of battle I'm putting up. Why? Why don't you guys call the uh, Hall of Fame people and say, "Listen, why? Why don't you induct him?" Oh, damn! So, so many complain to the manager, mind. kind of thing. Complain. Yeah, we should get Dan on it. Because they argue, you know, <laughs> Hall of Fame is about careers. It's not about events. Or, but I've just told you about Trechak. Like anyway. Well, it's argue. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but arguably, it's one of the greatest moments in Canadian. You no, know, exactly. But to Fred's history, point, so. his NHL statistics, and this is what the article mentions, just what you said. They aren't all that great. Four hundred and seventy-seven points in seven hundred and seven games with the Detroit Red, with the Red Wings, Maple Leafs, and the Atlanta Flames. But somebody on that committee has to look at the significance. Mm-hmm. of this series and maybe now on the 50th anniversary there'll be enough pressure to get the guy into the hall of fame he turns 80 in the yeah. next few months you know and they say it's the uh you know it's the hockey hall of fame not the canadian hockey hall of fame well you made it the soviet hall of fame by yeah. putting trichak in you, got, you guys should protest you should you know Get some, uh, you know, signs, protest signs, and, mm-hmm. and go down there and start something. So it's been going on for 50 freaking years. But um, it, it's, I, that's the first time I've watched that in a while. And it's such a wild play. Because when well, he stabs... Take, yeah, Henderson takes a wild stab at him. Yeah, falls, when he does that, he falls down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he gets up and he just turns at the right... And it was, it was Esposito that shoveled the puck over toward the net. Yeah. What a moment. Anyway, the article is great because it talks about all of us in school, how, uh, you know, in Canada, they were rolling the TVs into the halls mm-hmm. and that people at, uh, you know, work all over the all over the country. It was really one of the most, you know, sort of significantly galvanizing, like everyone was doing that. Like I said, you know, one of those moments in time where you know that everyone in the country was thinking about the same thing. A little bittersweet for me, too, where I watched the game across the street at uh, the Bully's house. Uh, one of my best friends at the time, Brad Bully. I watched the game with him and his brother, Bob. And it was my friend, Brad Bully, who died a few weeks ago at the age of 66 with a bad heart. So, wow. That moment is attached to a dead friend now. Mm. Okay. Let's well, uh and believe me, before he died, he insisted <laughs> Paul Henderson be inducted into the Hall of Fame. We've, lo- we've lost his vote. We've yeah. lost his vote. See, I thought the twist in that sentence would have been, and before he died, he insisted that Humble and Fred be inducted into the Broadcast oh. Hall of Fame yeah. for titty bush and piss nut shit. 
<laughs> you know what I think is funny? You know, yeah, titty no bush. It's you know, it's really no. Uh, it's also the fact that we're never nominated for any podcast awards <laughs> because because of this exact reason. No one wants titty bush and uh, piss no mm-hmm. whatever the hell you said. Mm-hmm. Um, no one wants that in their in their podcast. No. No, um, it's lowbrow. It's lowbrow. It is lowbrow. I uh, mentioned to you before the show that I had the uh, honor once again of hosting the BGC Canada golf tournament yesterday for the second year in a row. And what a great organization! I met some people. This is uh, they're they're just it's a wonderful group of people across the country that support youth in Canada, uh, often in areas you know Scarborough and on uh, and the like where uh, you know. It's, it's not the greatest of lives. And a lot of times the Boys and Girls Club of Canada, which they don't call it that anymore, it's BGC, provide food and after school programming. It really is a, a lifeline for a lot of these communities. And yesterday, uh, with the help of a lot of very uh, nice people, they raised $171,000. Wow. Which is great. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. What they had, you know, golf tournament, fun time, you know, really, really great. Everyone enjoyed themselves. And I was the host. But before the term, before the dinner, I was thinking of you guys. I didn't tell you this, Dan, because they had an oyster bar. Oh, my oh. God. No, I had an oyster bar. Oh, my God. God. And, and I, and I, I one of those. Oh, my God. I haven't, so I haven't been in an oyster bar event in some time, boys. And it is something else. And I, I must have gone up. Okay four five times and every time i do i would i would quietly dump my oysters like the shells and then i would get in line and i would do this little play i called oh there's an oyster bar (laughs) (laughs) and that's where how did that go (laughs) it's like this i line up again and go oh there's an oyster bar and pretend that i didn't know and this is my first trip but after the third and fourth time the guys who were shucking the oysters sort of were like in on the joke and i would go oh there's an oyster bar they go sir have you tried our oyster that was a whole little (laughs) thing we had going it was great <laughs> well they didn't say sir you realize that other people that. <laughs> yeah no i think they kind of thought it was uh, somewhat cute that the second time i walked up and went oh there's an oyster bar they started to laughed and by the fourth or fifth time we were all in the same play so how many what? oysters did you end up at 20 mm. oh easily well, uh, 18 to 20 you. that's got to be tough for you because they're an aphrodisiac and you're single right now hmm well you know so that you sit there this morning with lovers nuts mm-hmm. yes and that's what i am and just, that's this moral of the story that i'm so yeah. pumped up with lovers nuts <laughs> well i would say the same thing you're married what do you do for sex that's a joke that's an old joke la 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 titty nut bush titty nut bush uh i had uh, 18 to 20 oysters Easily. And and by the way, a fantastic, fresh. I did make one mistake. I made a mistake on my first uh, time up. I had four or five in the plate. Put a little bit of lemon, a little bit of uh, what I thought was. And I don't know why I thought this. I thought it was like a cocktail sauce. This is red stuff. But it was hot sauce. And it was too hot. It was too hot for me. But I ate it anyway. It was one of those things where I took a slurp of the oyster. I'm like, ooh, that's not what I thought that was supposed to be. But it was too late. Were they delicious? Fantastic. Really, really good. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, when I was in Florida last uh, fall or uh, winter, 
the I told you the oysters in that area were so delicious. And it's funny, people that don't eat oysters, they look at them and go like, well, how can one taste any different than the other? Look at it. It's just that blob of whatever. Yeah. But there is a big difference sure. in areas and taste. Uh, sure. For sure. Because often you can get oysters and they're tasteless, right? So. Yeah, I guess also to do, to, to do with freshness and yeah. you know, salt yeah. water content or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. I'm the, I, I had this discussion. I was playing uh, golf the other day with my buddy who's like the vice president of the keg. And we were talking about some of the items at the keg that I like and some they don't serve anymore and why. And I said, you know, he's talking about uh, one of our friends who loved the butter that was they, they served with the escargot, the, the butter or the uh, whatever, you know, the escargot, garlic butter. Yeah. And I say, you know, it's funny. I eat a lot of things, every kind of sushi to all kinds of ethnic food. But I just don't. I, I've tried it, but I don't do uh, snails. I like the I like the juice that comes with the snails at the keg. Really? Why? I, I don't know. Do you, you like, like the Like they're so good. Yeah, I know. Like you, don't like, you don't like the texture or what? Yeah, I guess it's one of those things where early on I I, I just didn't do it, and it's weird because I'll eat oysters, you know, until I'm told not to. Right, <laughs> Dan. Do you like escargot? Yeah, I love it. Do you really? I, I remember back when I first got into them, I was like buying and making them. I had the uh, you know those dishes you can put in the oven. I had the little mm-hmm. divots in them. I had I had the whole thing mm-hmm. for a long time. I was really into them. Although Delise is like that too. If I get a little thing of escargot, I'll eat the snail and then she'll dip her bread. Yeah, exactly. Do it like you do, Howard. But uh, the actual snails, I like really. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're watching us on uh, Facebook over Dan's left shoulder, is my coffee maker because Dan's uh, staying here this week. So there's my coffee maker, and on top of the coffee maker is my, uh, <laughs> what a, it's my weed dish. I just see that. See that, Dan? And then beside that is a uh, Dan uh, Kingsbury picture that I really like. Yeah. I'll take that down, then. No, no, it's fine. People know I smoke weed. Yeah, yeah it's legal. It's my little they weed know where Tupperware. Now, so, you know, it's my, and everything. It's where my Dan, own what life. did you end up having for dinner last night? An Owens uh, jerk chicken sandwich? Mmm. Oh no! I just uh, I, I ended up a little bit of sushi. Had some sushi oh. for the for the final part of my day. Because you guys were talking about that yesterday, Howard wouldn't be home. You had to look after your own dinner, and I thought, go get an all wins jerk chicken. Sandwich. I didn't even I didn't even think about. You know what, Dan? Maybe we'll do that on a Thursday night when we're going to hang out together. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Love the flavor, the spices. You know what oh. I'm going to do? I mean, you know, I, I, it's funny because I just realized that it's been a long time since I've actually tried escargot. Maybe I'd like it, you know? Yeah, you should. Like, I mean, it's not that big a mountain to climb. Like, <laughs> That's right. Like, yeah. they're just, yeah, it's not it's like, whoa, funny. that's a different taste. It's just, it must be the texture. Yeah, well, and then to be fair, it's been so long since I've tried them, I, I don't have a reference for it. Because it's, you know, I'm like that. I'm not, there's very few things that I won't eat. And I'm sort of like that with eggplant. It's like, oh, there's just something about Love the it. eggplant thing yeah. that I, I can't get over. I mean, I'll eat it if I have to. Like if I'm starving, there's no other food on right. earth. Right. And then, yeah. <laughs> no other food on earth. That's right. right. All that's left on earth are eggplants and escargot. <laughs> We're having a feast. Okay. Um, Jeff Woods right. is our guest. I mentioned that. And uh, Dan Duran is uh, not only the uh, you know our stu- our anchorman; he is a studio announcer. And uh, uh, what is the uh, name of the clip you sent me again? It was something Jet. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
I put it somewhere. Now I can't. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and just before we um, start the show, I wonder when we're inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, they'll also play this clip. The Piss Report. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. How I'm is that getting. these days? How is what? The Piss Report? Mine? Yeah, because you haven't, you know, you you had a burning sensation and yeah. you're urinated. Has that all gone away now? Or? Uh, stream is strong and uh, virile. Yeah, my stream is crazy strong. Okay, yeah. but that wasn't the problem. The problem was a, a burning sensation. Oh, no, it? I used to, I was, yeah, I was burning and it was frequent. Now it's uh, regular and it's, uh, you know, burn free, sting free. Yeah, so it was just some kind of little virus or something. That's good. It is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we have to lop off your dick <laughs> and, <stuff like that. laughs> and leave me with lover's nuts from my oyster consumption. <laughs> All right, Dan. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the Humble and Fred studios in trendy Toronto, beautiful Brampton, and Howard's Kitchen. And is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and Health Gauge. And now, here are two men who, after putting on their old man sweaters, wonder where they put their old man sweaters. It's Humble and Fred. True man, true. True man, true. Um, yeah, we're excited to have our buddy Jeff Woods on talking about his new podcast and his erotic adventures as well. Uh, we'll remind everyone that Jeff Woods was uh, programming at Q107 when the disgraced broadcaster John Derringer was there. In fact, uh, maybe Jeff can remember, because I'm not 100% sure of the circumstances, but Jeff was a uh, real ally of ours. Let's not forget that. Jeff um, kind of tried to broker. Um, he certainly tried to make things better between us and some of the guys at Q. And Jeff was, to be fair, one of the few guys there at Q that were kind uh, to us. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah, I think I believe. Was he not? Oh, maybe not. Who was? No, he wasn't. OK, I was going to say he was the PD when uh John called us untru- untrustworthy cocksuckers, but he wasn't. No, he was. But he was the music director. Or no, he was, no, the, he was the APD when that happened. Because oh, was he the APD? Yeah, okay. he was the APD. And that's why I remember being in his office, having a conversation right. about how we should react to this vile, uncalled for accusation of being, un- because we are, if nothing, trustworthy cocksuckers. Um, and we have such things, <laughs> but that was just too much. That's right. It cut too deep. To cut it, too, it, we were hurt. <laughs> to call into question our trustworthiness as cocksuckers. How dare you? Um, anyway, before all of that happens, uh, we should take care of some of the uh, people that take care of us so nicely, man. Like, seriously. You know? Yeah, yeah I want to talk about uh, your bow dog. Would, would you do that? Could you do that for us, please? And thank you. Uh, the Thursday nighter looks like a pretty good game in the NFL. Cincinnati and Miami. Uh, Miami three and zero after coming off uh, that tight victory over the Buffalo Bills. But the uh, Dolphins are actually an underdog this week to the Cincinnati Bengals. They're a four point underdog to the Bengals. The over under on that game is a uh, forty seven points. 
Now, whether you're a sports better, a, a horse racing fan, a poker or casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment, from their industry-leading odds uh, to their world-class sports book and their feature-rich poker room. Uh, they also have that fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. All the NFL odds are there. Uh, get ready for all the baseball playoff odds. We'll be coming up. A lot to play at Bodog. Very nice. Uh, another online uh, concern we'd like you to be aware of, if you haven't already, is GoDaddy.ca. And they've been helping uh, small business and entrepreneurs, as we found out recently. We had an entrepreneur on our program last week who benefited greatly from the expertise. Uh, 25 years of servicing over 20 million customers around the planet. GoDaddy is where people go to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. Here's what's cool. You can start your website for free today with GoDaddy. Try it out. No credit card is even required. Just, you know, take it for a test drive, really. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Finally start that business that, you know, maybe that side hustle you've been thinking about. Go do it today. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Keep me in your heart for a while. Uh, where are uh, Blue Jays? Speaking of Bodog, where are they, uh, what's happening now? Are they a wild card? Are we going to get the wild card? Is that where we're heading? Their well, their magic number to secure a wild card is two. Um, last night they lost to the Yankees five to two. A lot of mistakes by the Blue Jays last night. The Yankees clinch the American League East uh, title in Toronto last night. A little tough for Toronto fans to watch. I shut it off before I had to see that. But the Yanks, yes, celebrated uh, winning the East last night here in Toronto. Uh, so the uh, now for the the Jays, it's all about securing the top wild card spot so they can play home games in the first round of the playoffs. They're a game and a half up on uh, Tampa Bay. I don't know what the wild card is to clinch the top wild card, but it's only two for a wild card if you follow. And and, and we had this discussion you and I when we were at the game with Mike from Buffalo. Like you go, we were talking about the how the playoff structures changed in baseball, and um, is the is, so are the Jays competing to have a one game playoff? No, no, this year it's th- uh, best of three. Oh, okay, so that, that's which I think is I think uh, yeah, that's fair because mm-hmm. the one game wild card playoff seems like a lot of work to get to that one game and it's fucking over. So let's have this scenario: Jays uh, secure the top wild card. They play Tampa Bay. It's a best of three with all three games in Toronto. Fantastic. Not travel. Yeah. So another uh, sidelight to that, Howard, is the Yankees. Aaron Judge, who has 60 home runs, right? Far off the major league record of 70 or whatever by uh, McGuire or Barry. So, so, yeah. But I'll tell you, uh, the history of the New York Yankees, the league is pretty much standing still right now because Aaron Judge has 60 home runs for years and years and years and years until those other guys beat the record. 61 home runs in a season was the was the benchmark Uh, by Roger Maris. Roger Maris, that's right. All right. So the thing is, because it's the Yankees, the whole league is wrapped up in him tying Maris and then beating Maris for a Yankee club record. And it's just interesting because, say the Blue Jays were after a club record of home runs. Yeah. Do you think there'd be any significance? Do you think they even talk about it in New York? 
And I could see if this was the record of all time, but it's not even that now. It's just a Yankee record. But because of their, the history and the fact that he tied Babe Ruth at 60 and the fact that it's the New York Yankees and Roger Maris and all those years, you know, they're, every time uh, he comes up to bat, they use the special baseballs and they can track it. All this stuff. That's crazy, it's man. Fascinating. Yeah. And, and those, that record, I'm not sure if it, because I, I, I'm not sure if Sosa was, but Sosa was part of that juiced bat or, you know, yes. steroid. Sosa, McGuire, and Barry all, Bonds. All disgrace, like John Derringer. Oh, disgraced broadcaster, John Derringer. Um, he is. He's the uh, Sammy Sosa of uh, disgraced broadcasters. <laughs> no one will ever touch that record of abuse. Seriously. He's, if you can say what you want about Derringer, but but he put up Hall of Fame numbers. He put up yeah. Hall of Fame numbers for uh-huh. abusing women. Mm-hmm. What a star. Uh, but I wanted to mention, so because of the sort of asterisks beside those home run years, mm-hmm. there is a bit of a significance to a, a guy doing it now. And, it, you know, I know what you're saying, there's, but there's no way if it was a Blue Jay, no one would give two and a half shits. Yeah, it just shows the power of the Yankee. And again, that Maris record was there for so long and you know and whenever you're in the same conversation as babe ruth it gets some attention speaking of baseball so, uh, that's it but uh, so far two games and the jays have uh kept him homerless he's walked the whole shitload of times but anyway. yeah and, and i think the jays didn't they win the night before last Oh, and Rudra says it's American League record as well. But oh, Rudra. Again, American League. It's still not the the baseball record. You know, it's... Um, did you guys... Uh, I, I haven't asked Rudra. Uh, obviously, he's listening. If he's uh, watched uh, Facing Nolan. Did you watch any of it yesterday? No, not yet. God damn it, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rudra. I forgot that Rudra is such a baseball nerd. He'll love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he of- makes a good point. It's an American League record. But again, once these guys you know blasted through roger maris yeah they were in the national league it's still not the baseball record is sort of my point it would you know yes well, i get your point yeah um I'm, we're just waiting for uh, jeff uh, jeff's already checked in and i said hey come back at eight fifteen, which will be uh just minutes from now i mentioned that uh, i was helping uh my youngest spencer Mm-hmm. supervising a move the other day and uh they've moved to another part of toronto i'm toronto is a beautiful city and you know once you're actually in it and not having to you know drive in and out of it it's actually quite a pleasant place to spend some time and uh, we were walking along the leaves look beautiful it was a beautiful fall day and there was myself charlie charlie's boyfriend spencer and i and we're just walking by a group of uh squirrels and I said to uh, one of them, I said, you know, it's a weird thing about squirrels that everyone thinks they're cute. But if that was a rat, which is essentially a squirrel with a shitty tail, mm-hmm. if that were a rat, we'd all be horrified because mm-hmm. they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're running around, they're scurrying, they're gathering, uh, whatever they do. They're doing squirrel things. Mm-hmm. But it really is interesting how... Uh, that's because they, they, you look at their. I've got a close up look. You look at their little head and their oh. stinky little paws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just basically a rat with a bushy tail. You're with right. a bushy tail. And they can be so destructive, especially red squirrels. They'll chew right through the side of your roof. Come on. Oh, yeah. Those pricks. And then, you know, you put bird feeders <laughs> up for beautiful birds, and the goddamn uh, squirrels are swinging off it and upsetting them and. Making them topple to the ground. It's ridiculous. That bugs me. Um, nothing, uh, nothing a pellet gun won't fix. <clears throat> it's funny. I thought of you yesterday because we don't really have a lot of, you know, 
at my golf course. It's not a real problem. Uh, goose shit. But oh. yesterday on one fairway, there was a, uh, an area that was covered in. <laughs> These guys were like, what is that? And I said, I think that's goose shit. And I said, if Fred Man was here, he'd be fucking losing his mind. <laughs> I said, they well, said, they're what? actual turds. Exactly. And I they know. said, what? I said, oh, yeah, the Fred Man's got a vendetta against uh, this is the goose. Yeah, something anyway, should something Some- should be done. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to, you know, Jeff's uh, signing in. He's, you know, here's the thing about Woodsy. I call him Woodsy. He's a super professional. And uh, once we uh, connect with him, I will ask him about uh, his uh, memory and ours. Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeff. Yes, I'm here. Oh, there. See, I knew you'd be able to figure. Are you going to turn your camera on or are you... Uh, not available oh, right. for viewing. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was uh, doing a thing, and there's my video. There you Hello. go. Hey, brother, can you just give me a little more volume, you sweet man? Yes, I can. Here we go. Here we go. There's volume. Oh my there's god. There's volume. Jesus it's Christ. Good. That's that's enough. That's enough of your crazy pipes. <laughs> Look at you with your. You got a lot more ink on you now than the last time we saw you. It's true. Holy cow! What are you, a Dallas Cowboy fan? I, I don't know what that means. Oh. Well, you got a big star on your throat. It looks oh, like the Dallas a- Cowboys star. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's a tribute to Bowie, Black Star. Oh, oh okay. I should have known. Exactly. You know, <laughs> here's the thing about us, Jeff. We are pretty pedestrian when it comes to anything. <laughs> um, uh, Jeff Woods, uh, pl- by the way, and before we actually start the interview, I said this to Freddie a few minutes ago. I said, I don't understand. You know, I looked on Twitter last night as I was going to sleep and Woods, we had mentioned that Jeff was going to be on the show and you wrote, uh, it's the first time for everything. And I'm like, Does, would Jeff not remember having been on our program? Oh, I see what you're saying. And I thought uh, minimally, I thought you might think that. No, it was about being the, the how is it positioned? Oh, the gig sky guest of the day. Ah, That's I get it. And I thought that oh. was kind of interesting. All right. Yeah, oh, you are. Right on. Well, um, it makes sense now. Yeah. When Fred, def- here's the thing, though. Fred defended you and I forgave you because we're both so old. We thought maybe you were like us and you'd forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember these guys from <laughs> That's my right. earlier days. Jeff Woods, who? Um, another thing that came up on Twitter the other day, someone asked uh, about, you know, who I thought or who we thought had the best voice in radio. And I said, well, you know, obviously Woods is, you know, on that list. But who would be on your list of guys you've worked with as a, as a best voice besides yourself and, of course, Dan Duran? I was speaking of Dan Duran last night. Um, well, you have a great voice, obviously. Uh, who else, though? Let me think. I'm a big fan more so of uh, listening to female voices. There's a woman, Elizabeth um, Cook. Mm. Um, and she's on Outlaw Country, and uh, and I I just love I think it's more about her attitude and her personality mm-hmm. that that makes me love her voice even more. She's like that, you know, it's girl. interesting too, Jeff. That Fred and I, when we were discussing voices and radio talent the other day, uh, it's funny that a, we a, a woman, a female, never came up. But I've worked with lots of women with great voices. Obviously, number one, May Potts. There's one. That's a great one. Um, you know who has a great voice that I've never met, but I've always admired is Ingrid Schumacher. A very specific voice, yes. isn't it? It was, it was very Chum FM, but that's everyone was very Chum FM on that radio station. How about you, Fred, man? Who was a, a female that you worked with? I mean, Mary Ellen Benninger had a great voice working with us. Sandra Plagakis, amazing. Sandra, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, all, a few of them at CFNY had pretty good deliveries. 
I mean, Danny Elwell had a pretty good, thing. very good voice. Sounded Indeed. good, yeah, uh, as well. Jeff, with you, what came first—the career or the voice? Did you get into radio because people said, "Oh, you have a good voice," or did you get into radio and you developed your voice? That's, I mean, obviously, you had yeah. the, the 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 basics. I didn't have much. No, I was I I was a late bloomer, as it were. Uh-huh. In fact, Danny Elwell said, "Oh, you're a Capricorn. You're a late bloomer, like her husband, like her." But okay. more men, more men are the late bloomers because we're a little slow, aren't we? So when I got into radio college at nineteen, no, I had a I had a boy's voice, mm-hmm. so it developed to your point. You know, it's funny. I I know if you guys, are, Freddie probably didn't do this, but there was a thing that uh, some announcers when I was seventeen on the radio for the first time. Uh, I used to see these guys, and they would just before they turned the mic on, they would breathe in a bunch of air and go. <sighs> And so when they turned the mic on, it would do this to their voices for a few seconds until they ran out of air. And I used to do that because my voice sounded like a 17-year-old kid. <laughs> and I don't know, somewhere, like you just said, Jeff, somewhere you know, after four or five years of doing it and smoking a lot of hash and just getting sort of growing into it, I guess I developed some pipes, but I never had them. And I was saying to Freddie, you know, guys like Lee Marshall, Dan Williamson, uh, Billy Hayes. Like, those guys all were blessed by uh, Baby Jimmy with uh, great voices. <laughs> it's true. Well, you know, the late nights and the hash and, and the beers. Um, I worked in rock radio, so that came with the territory. And by, uh, you know, second, third, fourth year in, I did sound like a dramatically different person yeah. because of all those things. Yeah, you know, fellows, I've heard it said that the voice is an instrument, and it all depends, too, on the way you play it, right? You have to learn to use your voice in a certain way as well and speaks uh, to the breathing doesn't it largely Mm -hmm. all right well this little pre-interview has been great but let's get right to the uh, main event Uh, welcome back to our program Uh, someone that we've been uh, friends with and colleagues of uh, for uh, quite some time now as evidenced by the fact that uh, you know we're all gray and have no recollection of (laughs) You know, any events uh, surrounding uh, other opportunities. He is the uh, host of so many different things. But today, talking about his newest venture. And it's called um, Blue Hotel. The Blue Hotel. We're going to talk about that. Also, you can read his uh, book, Radio Records and Rockstars. Also out on audiobooks. Uh, is that, uh, am I correct? Was that also the name of your po- one of your podcasts? The podcast is simply called Records and Rockstars. Okay, Records and Rockstars. So uh, we're going to do this in a couple of different phases. And uh, obviously you're here to promote The Blue Hotel. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, our careers together in radio. Uh, But first, I'd like everyone to listen to this. Uh, I have a little uh, tee-up of what Jeff uh, is up to. Hang on, everyone. Just I know if I had a mouse, it'll be done by now. Here is a little flavor of what's going on in uh, Jeff's world on his latest podcast. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. 
So Friday, September 23rd um, was last week. There will be a new episode this Friday, each and every Friday. And uh, so, Jeff, give us some background. What was the impetus for this? Uh, I know that, uh, you know, you've got your own studio now. You're producing your own stuff. So uh, where was the where did this uh, generate from? Thanks for asking. Um, If you came to my house and, 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 and people do and they look around and they're like, oh, my God, you got a lot of art. And uh, and there's a lot of naked art. There's a lot of erotic art in my house. It's kind of like a an ode. In Miami, there's a place run by a little bubby called the uh, Miami Sex Museum. And my house is like a little version of that. In that, uh, you know, classic paintings by uh, Modigliani and, uh, and, and, and modern paintings by all sorts of artists that I follow. Um, and so there's a spirit of that in this studio and all over this house. Because I'm a fan of, of erotic writing and, and erotic art, and, and who doesn't like pleasure and sex? So I've been doing the radio show for what, 39 years, mm-hmm. and I thought, what's next? You know, Bowie always said, David Bowie always said, if you don't feel like you're, you know, you know, if, if, if you got to be in the water, in the deep water, where your feet aren't touching, and that's when things get interesting in your career, in your artistic pursuits. So I needed something that was a little more dangerous, or certainly more challenging. And I and I reached deep within my soul and thought, let's do something related to sex and sexuality and relationships. And, and one morning, I just woke up with it in my head that I was going to launch the Blue Hotel podcast. Interesting. Do you, um, is this um, stories through your own experience or, or well, you know, I, it's, stories it's, of others or? It's a great question. It's a bit of everything. So I mentioned uh, how, the, how the podcast climaxes each week with a, with a, with a story, an adult mm-hmm. bedtime story, which is, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes of largely fiction. But, you know, in all fiction, there has to be a little bit of yourself, generally, in, in the writing process. But that's fiction, and it's a, it's a story about something that happened to someone or some people in some scenario. Um, but largely, I put the spotlight on other people, um, real people. Um, and have a guest each week and have a theme. So it's theme-based like the radio show always was. So, for mm-hmm. example, last week it was just Welcome to the Blue Hotel. I had Laura Desiree on out of Brooklyn, New York, who's a Torontonian. Her dad used to be in radio. He ran, uh, he ran uh, Easy, Easy Rock mm. years. But Laura uh, is a, a performer, uh, an educator, not an educator, but a... Um, uh, a media personality on Naked News. So I put the spotlight on her and asked her about all her feelings around sexuality and relationships, and she was just a star. And then this episode, episode two coming on Friday, I talked to an actual sex educator, um, Sabrina B., and she teaches in schools and she teaches around the world. Um, everything from, you know, necessary things like menstruation for, for young girls who are just getting into that to... Uh, to anything you've ever wondered about sexuality. So I put the spotlight on other people and talk to them and get their professional um, you know, feelings and attitudes. The, uh, the other day, Jeff, I don't know, I guess because you ha- were on your mailing list, but I saw you had put out a an ask for people to call the Blue Hotel hotline and share a couple of seconds or audio of their 
maybe, I don't know, a question, something to do with sexuality. And I'm wondering, did you, are you getting some feedback? And, and, and we should let people know if you want to, do you have a, is there a site we can tell people to go to? Is the Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, well, they're coming in slowly, but because right. people are apprehensive. Yeah, right? yeah. People are shy. And I get that. So what I say is it's a really safe space. We're not going to play the calls back and, 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 and have jokes and, and laugh at them. We're going we're gonna to let you have this safe place to share what's on your mind. It's bluehotelpodcast.com. Okay. And there's a microphone icon. You just click on that, and you can leave up to two minutes of thoughts. And, and Jeff, you haven't been shy because you've told stories about your adventures, yeah, your experimentation. In fact, I think I heard you say that having sex with another man doesn't make you homosexual or bisexual. It makes you adventurous. Am I? Am I? Well, right, um, am I on no, the right track here? I like what Michael Stipe said about 30 years ago when, when, when challenged about his sexuality. And, and he quite simply said, well, I've enjoyed sex with women and with men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so I think that I'm, you know, largely fluid. Um, I used to say I'm 80-20, you know, 80 mm-hmm. uh, proclivity towards men, 20 or towards women and 20% towards men. Um, you know, I'm just an open-minded person. And, and, I, and I shed the... Uh, conformity and the conditioning of childhood that came from, you know, parents who were growing up in a conservative era with the church and the government and right. the police system. It was illegal in the 60s. Sure. But do you think then, having said that, and I got two quotes, this is a two-part question. Uh, would and you, then I have another. Okay, a two-part <laughs> question, then Fred's going to follow up, and, uh, and then we're going to change uh, to uh, something else I want to talk to you about. But the first part is, do you think if you had grown up in this era... Of acceptable uh, things are just just more acceptable and and sort of laissez faire in terms of morals and society. Do you think that you would have been homosexual had you had uh, less of a stigma surrounding it? No, no. You know what? Uh, there's a lot of people. The biggest. By the way, is that group, a fair question? It's, there's no there's no unfair okay. question. The biggest group uh, in the LGBTQ community is the B bisexual there is an unbelievable amount of people out there right speaking to men who um who 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 have a proclivity both sexes um but but they aren't ready to admit it yet it's it's not unusual i would i would estimate here here we go i would estimate that 99.999 percent of men have thought about if not participated in something with another man I, I have my second part question too, oh, just sorry. quickly, because um, you said you had somebody uh, that was on who was talking uh, a sex educator, and it isn't, isn't it interesting. We all grew up in the same era where there was sex education, but there was no sexuality education. It's so true. We get into it. I was just I was just thinking about that. It was it was about anatomy. It was about right. It was about mechanics. It was really about mechanics, and it was not. It was never about feelings. It was never about relationships, because it was a slippery slope in the 1970s when I was taking sex ed. They didn't want to talk about that. They were afraid what the parents might say, and they're right. still afraid in places like Florida and Texas mm-hmm. to even talk about anything beyond. Uh, oh yeah, the pleasure aspect of it. No, right. <laughs> you just did it to have babies. <laughs> what a bunch of hypocrites! Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to say, just quickly to finish, you know, in, in our children's. Uh, age, you know, my youngest 
and her cohorts. I was out at a function with them on Saturday night and, uh, you know, I, it was fascinating because the where there was, uh, I was at a, an event where there was, you know, a drag queen and there, and there was a lot of gay kids and there was a lot of binary, non-binary. And it was just, I was there with my ex-wife, Randy, and I was saying, you oh, know, this is such a wonderful thing to experience because it's so, it's the same way kids are with race, I find nowadays. It's just so accepting. The, it, the community was so lovely to be around but so different than when we grew up. It was just so open versus so closed. What was your question, Freddie? Well, back to, uh, to uh, statistics, Jeff, uh, you said you were 80-20, um, and then you mentioned 99.9% of guys. Um, what's that like? You're at the line of scrimmage. It's your first time that you're going to experiment or whatever you want to call it with another man. Mm. When was that with you? And what is that a huge decision at the time? Like, if I do this, I've stepped to the other side or however you'd want to um, describe yeah, that. It's a like, great point. I, I, I was I feel like I was late. I had thoughts around it. Right. Um, in, in my 20s, but not really. I wasn't really conscious of it until my early 30s uh, during my second marriage. And both my then wife and I uh, talked a lot about it and she mm-hmm. was turned on by it. What I found is most women that I've known and been with are super turned on by it. I was uh, 33 when I did mm-hmm. and, and I remember f- uh, feeling exhilarated by it. Um, I've never since been, um, you know, I'm pretty honest with myself about everything, mm-hmm. and, I, and I love being with women, and, I, and that's irreplaceable. But uh, if there's a menu, uh, one of the menu items is is, is guy on guy, and, and it can be to- totally exhilarating if you're unencumbered by the conditioning and the and the fear of uh, that was placed on us in, in our country. Yeah, well, that would be it, right? With yeah. And, and you know, you, I look at you now, I don't know what you, you know, I know you're a little younger than Fred and I, but I look at you now and I mean, you know, you, it's got to feel great to you. I mean, you know, forget the fact that you have a neck tattoo, but it, there's a, there's an openness about you and there's always been that way. In fact, we were talking about it before the show that there was a time in our careers that you were sort of, um, I don't even know how to put this, like a, a friendly face in a battlefield of fucking nonsense <laughs> and there was always a kindness about you and uh, i don't know that has to do with your sexuality but i think it has more to do with your openness uh-huh. to conciliation i guess or to being uh you know who well, you've always su- been super kind of you to observe and think and say uh you know what uh, they say that you know that the person's character is is how they act uh, with people that they don't think can do anything for them. That's right. Like that. right. And uh, and I've always tried to treat everybody with with uh, respect and kindness. And um, and and I loved having people that reported to me, and I loved working with people that were down the hall doing the same sorts of things. You know, at the other radio station where you guys worked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just found the community a lot of fun, and and I just authenticity is everything mm-hmm. remember when we first met i used to wear in the summer you know ripped jeans and flip-flops and um, and and what we used to call wife beaters <laughs> that's right yeah, we don't and call I, them that anymore t- jeff <laughs> no we don't but everyone understands the intention of that is not anything to be mean-spirited but um my point is i wasn't in upper management then um but i wanted to be and i thought to myself i'm just going to be me and if they don't like me, I'm okay with not being in management. 
I'll yeah. see how this goes. I'll see, I'll see if they judge me based not on my skin or my sexuality, although that wasn't out then, uh, but on my talent or on my credentials. And to the credit of the people that ran the show back then, Stu Myers and so on, they did elevate me to a position of power because of character over color of skin or tattoos or, or, or the way I dressed. Yeah, that that's interesting because um, not a lot of people would would do that because they'd afraid they'd be afraid it would go south or or, or not turn out the way they wanted it to. Right. A lot of people just obviously conform. They be what they think they're supposed to be, as opposed to that. And uh, obviously, it worked out for you. <laughs> it did, thankfully. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. still times when you know, you know, I'm going to be marginalized, and uh, and right. that's okay. It's a, you know, careful what you wish for. Uh, I never wanted to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. But yeah, yeah. Club, you and you know, Groucho. Yeah, um, and, and and that's not lost on me. And now I, I mentioned that we were going to talk about the Blue Hotel and. Uh, and make sure that everyone knows to go to bluehotelpodcast.com. And I I sort of subtly made a little segue there, uh, maybe not that subtly, uh, to one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about. Because when our, our producer, Toronto Mike, said, uh, Jeff wants to come back, we want to talk about the, the Blue Hotel. And we were on an email string, and I said, that's great. Let's talk about that. But I said, you know, we would be dishonest if we didn't talk about you know, the fact that we had been talking about you quite a bit in the spring uh, when the Derringer story broke as somebody that was in that building at the time, all this nonsense was going on. In fact, one of the things, again, I just mentioned that you were sort of a friend to us, even though you weren't our boss, you sort of tried to make things better between John and Fred and I. And, and I said there was a real kindness to the way you handled it. Because you seemed to me at the time a guy that just wanted all of us to get along. So it's, it would be remiss of us not to ask you about your thoughts on the Derringer situation. And also more pointedly, what you remember of being in the building at that time. You know, that's the thing about my memory, <laughs> being a music historian. Um, I remember everything. Uh, it's it's a blessing and a curse, Howard. <laughs> There's nothing I don't remember about those times, unless I wasn't in the room when something happened, obviously. Um, I remember it was a challenging time, but I remember it was also a very different time, uh, not only specific to radio, but specific to all workplaces. Somebody reminded me the other day, guys, that uh, we had a, you know, a course when Chorus, the Corporation of Media, companies came to be um, in, in respect in the workplace, which I think was a great thing. It's what corporations and all businesses, whether you're corporate or not, probably should do, at least have a discussion around how you treat other people at work. It's not a, it's not meant to be a battlefield. I mean, we make jokes about going into battle because we want to win at whatever we do. But the battle shouldn't be between employees. There should be some, some decency, human decency and respect. And so we were in the infancy of that, of articulating that, of, of talking about it. And uh, there were growing pains that went with it. Some people came along quite easily because that was their sort of default position, kindness. And some um, found it challenging. And, and and the other thing, and you guys know this better than anyone, um, is that particularly morning radio is incredibly competitive. And there's an incredible amount of pressure on you guys, even doing what we all do now, 
to perform to the level that brings in audience. Mm -hmm. And how we handle that uh, varies from individual to individual. Some individuals um, (laughs) smoothly sail through that sea. Others find themselves in, um, in, um, what is it, acrimonious relationships with the people around them. That's kind of what happened. Did Were you involved uh, in management on some level at that time? What you referred to was the chorus values, which was a big pile of heap and bullshit. <laughs> well, because, in, th- in theory, it was great. And, and, and a lot of people didn't need yeah, it. Was, that. No, I know. I mean, but here, here was the, yeah. here was the problem with it, Jeff. I mean, yeah. they were it was actually up in the walls. Remember the pick of sure. chorus values you adhered to all in this. the lobby. The yeah. problem with that was is that everybody was supposed to adhere to that or be conscious of it, sure. and then ultimately it applied to some, but not all. So they became useless, absolutely They're, useless, because the John Derringer behavior, which way back in the early 2000s was evident and ridiculous and over-the-top and hurtful and upset people and actually made them have to go and see analysts and therapists was there any uh, conversation management level where they would come in and say, you know, we have these chorus values, but we're letting this guy get away with murder. So what's it saying to the other people that actually want to be part of this? There certainly was that conversation. Yes. Uh, um, you know, people say and people have wanted to hang out to dry all of the managers that let things happen. Right. Whether whether it was J.D. or whether it was anyone that was uh, mm-hmm. behaving badly. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was, you asked about management, I was the assistant program director when, mm-hmm. um, w- when, when he came back to do afternoons. Before course was a thing, so it was up in North York at Q107. And uh, I had a boss and he had a boss. My boss was Stu, and, and Stu had a boss, and his boss had a boss. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, while I assisted in management, I wasn't making the decisions right. around anything other than music. I was the music director, too. When I became program director, you guys were, I think, in the, yeah, you guys were at the building then, was 2002. Yep. Um, d- d- and we all moved down to uh, Young and Dundas again. Right. And at that time, I I decided that uh, the morning show uh, on Q107 was perfectly intact with the lineup that we had, which included no females. Not that I was against having females on the air, but we had two voices and sometimes three on the radio, John and and Ryan and and Johnny Garbutt. I liked the show the way it was, and I knew that that was probably the best scenario for success and lack of issues that we're speaking about now. So, so in, in my tenure as program director, which was only 2002-3, before I went out west to work for other stations, I didn't have any women in the room on the morning show. And I'm not trying to put a feather in my cap. I'm just trying to, you know, be very specific about my role would have been... Yeah, don't, excuse me. Let me just interject. It'll, like, no part, but if there were a woman in yeah. the room and there was problems, I would have dealt with. Yeah, okay, but this none of this is to accuse you of having you know uh, I don't know uh, enabled him. But we're just more I like accountability is well, important, isn't? Yeah, yeah but no. I mean, there would be some. Like, you you were just in the building. We were in the building, and 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 his behavior and it affected people that are close to you and I and Fred and you in particular. Um, you know, one of my uh, favorite people I've ever worked with was a woman that you were involved with, and it really affected her. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, we were 
vaguely aware of his behavior. And obviously, we're not in management. You know, it's not like it wasn't up. It, it, we were as aware as a lot of people, but not to the point that maybe you were or the people behind the scenes were. I guess to us, it's just like all those years. You know, I, you know, I don't know if you know the story, but I hosted the uh, event where John was uh, inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. I was the guy on stage, you know, entertaining a thousand people. And, you know, he basically wouldn't speak to me, told Ryan not to talk to me. And the guy is, a, a, you know, really a, a lifetime giant a-hole. And his career was celebrated. And, you know, ours are, we're kind of like the, uh, <laughs> we're, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the kid over here on the side that everyone thinks does nothing but piss and shit jokes, which we do, by the way. <laughs> um, anyway. So, yeah, there's a little bit of we got a bit of a chip on our shoulder for sure we do. Well, yeah, you know, I, I just I just I think it's everyone needs to be accountable. And, and I only bring up, you know, what my position was and all mm-hmm. of it to to be accountable, to say, you know what, had that been going on and I were in charge, I've never been one not to speak my mind. I've never been one not to push. I'll give you a little example. Remember Kella? Oh, Kella yeah. was on the Kella air. on air. Yes, she's great. Mm-hmm. We hired her back. I, I was part of, I think it was uh, Stu and I hired her um, at the end of the, of the 90s, the break of the 2000s. And, and I really liked what she was doing. She was a high performer and she was improving daily. And people really liked her, not only in the halls, but on the radio. And, uh, and I remember I wanted to get her more money. I wanted to push her over into the next 10000 because I thought she was underpaid and I didn't want to lose her. I always spoke my mind. I always stood up for the people. And so I went to my boss and said, uh, let's get Keller some more money. He's like, no, we don't have a budget. We don't have budget for that. I said, well, let's, let's, we, we need to get her just over this hump. Just, it'll make her feel better about being here. And, and she's, mm-hmm. she's deserved of it. She was underpaid compared to the mm-hmm. guys that were doing her job. And he's like, no, we don't have the money. I said, well, you know what? I make too much money. I'll give her X thousand dollars for my, and I was sincere. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. What's if, just give it, give her my money. And I, and I walked out. I said, I'm being sincere. Please do it. And, 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 and it worked. I wasn't trying to make it work. I wanted to give her my money. If he wasn't going to give her station money, he gave her the race out of station money. Of course. I was always willing to stand up for all the people, only to the degree that I could, though, because we all have a boss and we don't get to make all the decisions. So I felt like she, I felt so badly for the people, including mm-hmm. the one I was intimately attached to. No. You know what? She ended up leaving the radio station, which was sad. Mm-hmm. No, it's true, because uh, through all this, I had a conversation with Dave Farrow. And uh, he let it be known that, you know, he looked above and said every time they went to John Cassidy, he said, he's the most popular jock in uh, in the city. Deal with it. So, I mean, that's an example of what middle management may have to deal with when they see something is wrong and they try to deal with it and they hit a roadblock. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's what Pharaoh told me. And. It just goes back to what you said. Everybody has a boss and everybody has a mortgage and everybody has a family and everybody has their own interest. So. Yeah. Well, and I imagine Cassidy at the time, because I think he was a good man and a, and a great leader. Yeah, we love John. I think, John. This, I think mm-hmm. probably what he was saying is, 
this person reports to you and you Mm -hmm. you people go and effectively deal with it make things right not like oh he's he's making us all the money just make it go away well however however it was communicated they didn't deal with it very well Uh, and again I appreciate your honesty thanks for uh, I I just have one more question okay sorry or for uh, John 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 um, now we got some questions for John for Jeff (laughs) Jeff John I'll play the role of Jeff. This, this perspective, <laughs> nobody, this is a blanket radio statement. Do you believe it? Nobody is bigger than the call letters. And oh. if if they'd have dealt with John Derringer in the early years and put him in his place and sent him out the door because of his behavior and the way he treated some of these women, Q107 would have been as great and would have been as fruitful and would have been as successful as it ever was. Uh, that's quite possible. It is quite possible. But I really think this, uh, in addition to that, is that everybody, including the person we're talking about, has the capacity to improve. We need to be great managers, great coaches uh, with, with mm-hmm. great tools, great support from above and beside and, and, and deal effectively with it. Yeah. It's easier for a lot of people to go the easy way out and just uh, either have a blind eye or get rid of. There's a middle ground where you actually work on yeah. fixing something. <clears throat> well, that, and, and again, I, <clears throat> I don't want to keep hammering this, but I think they gave Hammer him. away. I know. I just think they gave him every opportunity. Um, and uh, But anyway, I just was going to say I appreciate your honesty. As always, it's a fascinating conversation with... Uh, uh, the host of the Blue Hotel. It is bluehotelpodcast.com. Yeah, I'm playing Bo- Blue Peter. Mm-hmm. You know, I know music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and back, as to I, Blue, back to Blue Hotel. I, I never thought I'd ask a guy this, but is it true Jeff size matters? Or no. Uh, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, it does. I know. Hey, now. Because well, well, listen, have you, you met Dan? You met, oh, come on! <laughs> I was going to say that. Have you met? Oh, yes. Have you met the anchorman Dan Duran? You want to talk a about shower or a grower? <laughs> we don't know. All we know is it's impressive. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what's prevented me. I'm just embarrassed. Uh, BlueHotelPodcast.com. That's right. That's my guy uh, Jeff Woods. And listen, Woods, uh, all the best to you. And uh, you are, in fact, the Gig Sky guest of the day. Just let yourself out, and we'll tell thanks, people. Buddy. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Love you. Uh, new uh, new show every uh, Friday uh, at bluehotelpodcast.com. Uh, Gig Sky guest of the day, of course. The only worldwide mobile data with affordable rates in over 190 countries. Download the app today for Android or iOS. Gig Sky gives you a 100% data plan, uh, as I mentioned, you know, and, and peace of mind for gosh sakes. For the love of Gord, you get the peace of mind. Um, and of course, I mentioned this the last couple of days. Uh, when you're traveling, you get cash back on over 150, 850,000 hotels globally. If you want more information, visit gigsky.com slash travel rewards and ask about the uh, travel rewards program. It's all there. Uh, and don't forget, you get uh, $5 off your first plan if you use the promo code HF2022. Gigsky.com for more information, Fred. Uh, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business is the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Uh, They've been around uh, 40 years, okay? 30,000 Canadian businesses, part of this. How's that for a track record? How's that for success? How's that for a display of how successful this is and how it works for small business? Yeah, 
Uh, the uh, premiums are affordable for small business because so many other businesses are involved. You get it, you know, so many businesses. It keeps the premiums down. They've done a great job of doing that over the past few years, whether it's prescriptions, whether it's a dental plan, uh, all sorts of therapies. They have an HR component now, mental health. They look after you top to bottom at the Chambers Plan, okay? So go today, chamberplan.ca, get a free quote. Yeah, we got to uh, move on here, but um, we can comment about some of what we heard, you know, either later or tomorrow. I know know, some of it I just don't buy, but that's okay. That's okay. Ah, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He is the retirement Sherpa, and he's a very nice man. Oh, retirement Sherpa, won't you invest for me? Because you are the retirement Sherpa, and you are the best, but not free. Oh, retirement Sherpa, here is the Sherpa's theme, and it's time for the retirement Sherpa. Uh, Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. What's up there, my friend? Well, I think we might have found a new uh, theme. That's exciting right there. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Oh, uh, man. Well, what's up is down in Florida in the Angry Old White Men compound. We got a lot of, you know, concern going on there, right? What? With this uh, storm coming through. Yeah, I saw the uh, numbers. Did you guys see that? Uh, Hurricane Ian at some parts uh, of the center was 192 kilometers an hour, like 100 mile an hour winds gusting uh, upwards of that. That's crazy. And that's near where you are. Is it making landfall where you guys go? I haven't checked this morning. Uh, yesterday, it looked like it was going to hit pretty close to Tampa, actually, which is a bit south of us. Uh, yesterday afternoon, they said it was going to be a little south of there. Uh, I don't know where it is right now. Like our daughter's up in Tallahassee. So, of course, they, they're following that as well. Uh, they got friends with a beautiful place. Uh, we've been there, Mexico Beach, which is in the, the panhandle that got wiped out a couple years ago and they've just rebuilt the darn thing. Uh, so it looks like they'll be okay, but yeah, that's just the way the fall works down there. Unfortunately. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tim, I was in Mexico beach in February, drove down there one day to, you know, look around for, uh, for future reference. And, uh, they're doing a good job of rebuilding, but talking to some of the people there. Yeah. It was absolutely demolished just the way it whipped up there. And they're talking about, um, landfall at, uh, Punta Gorda, which is, again, just south of uh, Tampa. And when I saw it on the news last night, I thought of you because I thought, oh, there, Timmy's just above that. It's barreling right through there. Yeah, yeah. So people, of course, uh, everything's getting canceled. And even within our community, there's some kind of higher grounds and different zones or whatever as far as evacuations and, uh, you mm-hmm. know, windows are getting shuttered, all the normal uh, yeah. stuff. The Mexico Beach thing's kind of, well, it's cool in a a bad way uh so our our pals had half of it was uh demolished and and their neighbors like all of it was i mean they were that close to each other Mm -hmm. but just the the variability of the the home and the structure and the Mm -hmm. and the storm itself uh made a big difference you know i've often wondered guys what it's like you know living in a place like florida or other zones in the caribbean there where you know that pretty much you know as summer comes to an end you have to brace yourself every fall, and it's getting worse. You know what we had there, uh, Hurricane Fiona. 
They're estimating it caused between 300 and 700 million dollars of the damage, which is pretty typical for, you know, Florida weather. But what is that like when you just know that every, you know, that here we go again, our crap's going to be destroyed. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you wonder why people subject themselves to that. Uh, Tampa overall has been super fortunate. Just kind of the design of the, not design, but the configuration of the coast seems to kind of dissuade things from landing around there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you're on a water view, 98% of the time, maybe it's great, but that 2% can undo a lot. You know, I saw some satellite pictures. You, you talk about Fiona, what it did to Prince Edward Island. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It changed the shoreline. Yeah, erosion, yeah. It, it blew away a lot of the, the, you know, the red sand dunes and stuff. Like, it's going to take years for them to recover from that. It's uh, devastating. Devastating. Um, well, and we can maybe take a, a segue now because, you know, like a lot of things, the markets are cyclical and very often in the fall, they do dip down. That is tradition. What do they call that? The September surprise or the October? There's a there's a thing. <laughs> but uh, um, this has been a bit more volatile uh, the last little while dips and uh, turns. And uh, what do we need to think about market volatility? Well, I kind of wish you didn't segue from the word devastation when you're talking about your right. market, but, you know. I, I was listening. It's, it's been, you know, sometimes they're good. It's, you know, it's a potpourri of segues. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't remember what the October thing is. Uh, it's not Rocktober often, but, no. uh, you know, we will have the Santa Claus rally, of course, Howard. Yeah, I can't wait. Or two, uh, right. As well. So uh, I read an interesting thing this morning, uh, already up uh, studying as always, uh, get all, all kinds of paraphernalia regularly and. There's a whole lot of shorts going on. Shorts meaning that uh, people are, in essence, uh, expecting the market to drop and they make a promise to buy a a stock or or stocks at a future date at a lower price. And uh, there's a lot of them out there and their day reckoning is coming. So uh, that's actually expected that it could be a positive thing. But uh, anyhow, we're we're getting lots of... uh, stats and figures and, and all about uh, the, the point of capitulation as it's called is probably there's never a definitely uh, in here right but uh, yeah the, it's kind of you know like before you got a hurricane coming it's good to make sure that everything's all safe and sound and under control uh, real good time for people to make sure they know how their portfolio is positioned and and, and is it uh, weather uh you know, storm-worthy sort of thing. Yeah. And, and Fre- it's funny because Freddie and I were talking about your appearance uh, the other day. And he said, hey, I don't know. You know, because I'm talking about doing a little investing. He said, you know, you got to get a hold of the Sherpa. And I said, why? He said, because right now there is a lot of opportunity. And it's funny you brought it up in your notes here. What is your opportunity slash certainty ratio? Is this a time for opportunity? Well, for sure it is, right? I, I, I just did a little bit yesterday and I got a get around to doing some more but uh we, we certainly know we're a lot closer to the bottom than the top in general uh the opportunity certainty ratio speaks more to uh within a portfolio itself uh h- how is it structured right i mean you always need some well we're, we're all different of course uh but most people need a certain level of certainty which some would use gic's or, or such for 
uh, some unfortunately this year many would use bonds for but bonds have actually gone back quite a bit this year with the interest rates uh, going up and and thankfully for our clients we've been doing our Sherpa style investing and uh, just modeling what an endowment fund or pension fund uh, does and uh, it's worked great and so some people are kind of feeling hey there's still a lot of uncertainty here maybe we'd like a little more certainty in our portfolio. And you always say, you know, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. All anyone has to do, and I did this the other day, just go look at the five-year history, the 10-year history of the market, and you see the dips and the rises and the dips and the rises. And it was June or July, the market was actually lower, just marginally lower then than it is now, and it recovered for a few months. And again, traditionally in the fall, you get a bit of a downturn, so... You know, trying to be optimistic in the spring, you know, when the flowers bloom and people are rejuvenated, um, I'm sure the markets will as well. Is that wishful well, thinking? <laughs> well, I, I think it's somewhat wishful, somewhat prudent, somewhat learned, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, hey, this isn't the fun part of the process. Uh, I've chosen for 30 years to be in an industry that I don't know, 20% of the time's going backwards sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's happened for decades, if not centuries. We we kind of, it's just part of the 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 reality of the situation. You, you can't make great long-term profits, as you mentioned, without having some volatility along yeah, exactly. the way. If it never went down, it wouldn't go up that much. Well, you've said this before, but you can't have a, an 8% or whatever average uh, without some years that are 15 and some that are, you know, three, but, you know, trying to time markets and trying to be the clever one, you know, really it's all about long-term buying, holding good companies and, and then maybe taking advantage of opportunity when it presents itself. And you need, well, uh, listen, I can tell you from personal experience. You're in the wrong business, Howard. You just explained it all. (laughs) Did I really? (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea what I just said. That's great. Um, uh, anyway, uh, like myself and a lot of other humble and Fred, uh, uh, friends, hunty people. He's uh, taking advantage of the uh, wisdom and sagaciousness oh. of the uh, retirement Sherpa. Yeah, that's right. Sagaciousness. I'm not even sure if that's a word. Well, I've, I hope it is because it I'm, just means wisdom. Sagacious. I thought I was erudite, but I don't know what sagacious means. So well, it's uh, uh, kind of a well, here it is. There. See, it is a word. I don't know how I know this stuff. Having or showing keen mental discernment and good judgment, shrewd. They were sagacious enough to avoid any outright confrontation. Well, I'm not, mm-hmm. but some people are. Mm-hmm. You just or said he was. <laughs> sorry, on. I was going to say, uh, or he was sagacious enough to be part of the humble and Fred family for over five years. That's right. right. And uh, we do appreciate it. Just think if you said smart all the time, we would have saved that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Listen, it's a curse. I have no idea how I can remember that, but I can't add fractions. Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. Are we going to see you today at Ladies' Day or not? I don't think so. I just had a bud invite me to to come. It's been a busy week. We're at the Jays game with some clients uh, last night. Something we're going to try to kind of turn into the regular repertoire. So that was fun other than the the result there. Stupid Yankees. uh, I I was just thinking with Jeff and his art, uh, you know, on before me, I've got like a picture of dogs playing poker on <laughs> That's right. velvet. So. Or the, uh, the Boulevard of Dreams with Bogart and all the in, the in the cafe. That's kind of the extent of our art. Uh, Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca uh, Have a great uh, week, my young friend, and we will see you next week. 
Absolutely. Live long and prosper there, guys. Great seeing you. Great seeing you there. Thanks, Timmy. Timberly. Uh, Tim Niblett. What a guy. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny how uh, I have, uh, you know, I barely have grade 12. But somewhere in my brain, I have the, I've this always been that way, the ability to read something mm-hmm. and then store it somewhere. Like, I've never said that word out loud probably in my life, but I read it all the time, or I've read it before. But you've also told stories of that game you played with your dad at yeah. the dinner table. Yep. And it was, big, it was a big deal to my father. Words. And explain that quickly for those that didn't hear. My father, in order to get our allowance, and I don't know, maybe Edmonton Steve didn't have to go through this, but in order to get my allowance, I would come down to the store on Saturday mornings with my mom when we went grocery shopping, and we would stop by my dad's store, and I would have to recite either from memory a passage from Shakespeare or I'd have to look I'd have to know the definition of a word or a passage or a poem or something and I would have to sit there and recite it and then I would go to Zellers with my mom for an open faced open faced turkey sandwich that was it was a tradition on Saturday she would go and get her hair done Mm -hmm. and uh, take me along to my dad's store and that's how uh, you know my love I guess or my indoctrination into the world of words because they were really important to Lou. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? And my dad, probably the one thing he said more than anything else was, sure as shit. (laughs) 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 That's what's going to happen. That's what I learned from my dad. (laughs) Well, you know, know, my father was uh, into two things. He was really into, you know, the world of... uh, yeah, I guess he was words. an artsy guy. But he was also into golf. And it was funny, I was talking about that the other day with somebody, that my dad, in the early 70s, his office, so it was in the back of the store where the customers didn't go, and uh, my dad's office always had um, pieces of Golf Digest stuff all over the place, like because he's always wow. working on his swing. Wow. And, uh, and that's where I got it from. My dad was really into like the minutia of the golf swing when I was like 11, 12, 13. So it was something that was discussed all the time with me. Um, anyway. Oh, yeah. I remember sitting there and the two guys that worked for my dad and my mom and me. And I would say things. I'd be like an eight-year-old going, if thou didst ever hold me in thy heart, absent thee from felicity a while. And in this dark world, draw thy breath in pain to tell my story wow. and that is something i have known off by heart is from shakespeare since i was like eight years old and yet i can't remember if jeff woods was ever on the show <laughs> <laughs> oh boys oh boys the only golf story i have with me and my dad is kent bigger the next door neighbor borrowed my dad's clubs once and never returned them that prick and I- and I remember hearing about that for years. You know that he never brought those clubs back. <laughs> he never did. He never brought them. Why does he not take? How did he not bring the clubs back? I don't know, Howie. But that went on. Then they moved. Right? That became a big issue after they moved. I never did get those clubs back. Mm-hmm. Where are those fucking clubs today? Uh, Dan Duran's news in a second. But first, this There's important message. Again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. You asked Andrew Ryan what he ate for dinner last night when because uh, I got home 
I don't think until like eight something and Dan arrived around the same time and we were talking. I said, you know, he said, oh, I'm just going to pick up some sushi at Costco. And uh, I guess Costco doesn't have like actual like sushi, fish sushi. And what Dan got was crab. Is that what that was in there? Yeah, it was some sort of crab thing. No, they have they have the full they have a selection of sushis. There. Do they really? I just I bought the wrong. I, I did buy the wrong one. I just thought it was more of a California roll because that's what. It oh, said. I see. It really yeah, yeah. Wasn't wasn't that? That's mock uh, crab. Right? Yeah, it was mock crab. Okay. Yeah, was, All right. Well, I didn't know some stuff. But I do yeah, have, I know they have other stuff. You know, like the salmon. Well, like, yeah, that's what I was. I didn't ask you that last night because I thought, well, maybe that's all they had. Uh, but they there is good news for you, Costco nerds. Uh, I don't know if this is the Canadian cost, and you can tell me, but Costco uh, made a statement today confirming the CFO of Costco confirms they will always sell the hot dog Coke combo for a buck fifty. Is that what they sell for it in Canadian Costco's? Yep, that's what it is. A buck fifty for a hot dog and a Coke? Yep. That's pretty good. It's refillable. Would you get unlimited the hot Coke, dogs? Not the bird, not the dog. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and it's a nice dog too. Is it's it quite really? long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it either a hot dog or a Polish sausage. You can get one or the other. Was that the American or the Canadian guy that said that? Well, that's what I didn't know. I just why I was asking if one fifty is what it costs at Canadian Costco. No, it does, but All right. boy, it'll be hard for them to hold the line on that, given you know the dollar and the economy and inflation. Mm, inflation. Yeah, apparently in the past, somebody in the uh, management structure recommended to the CEO that they raise the price of that, and he got very angry because it's just it's no, a thing. It's, it's, not right. it's a thing. It's a loss leader, and they don't care. It's so I guess it's the same like they do that at Ikea. They sell the uh, meatballs for just they don't make profit on that, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. But they, they, have a, they have a good hot dog deal there, too. Hey, so Dan, you would never eat a Costco hot dog, would you? You're not a hot dog guy. Not really a hot dog guy, no. But the Polish sausage, I've had a few of those. What's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference yeah. in your mind between a Polish sausage and a hot dog? Well, the Poles got involved. The Polish, Polish have some spices and, you know, it's a, it has more. But it's, a, it's the same animal lips. You know, it's not like, <laughs> you know. lobes. Yeah, it's in just my it's mind, lips it's and not. eyes and shit. Well, it is. No, no. I'm sure that they take other parts of the. Uh, okay. All right, we'll keep Why telling yourself that. Why would it be a Polish that? sauce? Would they, just the spices? You think that's the only difference? It's, it's be all ground something. bits of animals. Well, anyway. Hey, Dan, did you hear the Jeff Wood segment? He was asking about your hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were asking about my hammer. Everyone wants to know, where's yeah. your hammer been? <laughs> What's your hammer Hammer time. Hammer time. Like, I sometimes worry, like, what if you're at my house and you happen to get aroused and your hammer comes up the stairs and tries to wake me up? (laughs) Mm -hmm. By the way, I received a message yesterday from Neil Morrison, Brother Bill. Brother Bill. He said, yesterday's guest, what was her name again with the book? Karen Zeifman, I believe. Um was involved at at some time with George Strombolopoulos. Yeah, she said that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's why, uh, because she mentioned that, that Brother Bill said we should have asked her about Strombo's appendage. Oh, yeah. He did. And I said, why? Was it legendary? And um, I'm still waiting for a reply. Oh, wouldn't that just be... Look at Strombo. He's got it all, and he has like a... Or maybe not. Yeah. Or maybe not. It's funny. I don't know about you, but when she told us yesterday that she dated George, 
one of the first things I thought of was some of the stories that George told us when he was doing the all night show and he would hang yes. around with the mm-hmm. Howie and Fred after the show and we would be mm-hmm. like he would tell us all the different sex stuff he was up to and we were sort of living vicariously so I don't know maybe mm-hmm. maybe she was one of the recipients of a you know a visit to the uh, around the back <laughs> <laughs> So right there, you're saying it's a whole missed opportunity. It is a missed opportunity. She get her back. She should get her back then on the get show. Her back re-book. Maybe we should get re-book. Strombo back on it. Hey, George, remember the stories you used to tell us? Can you can you re, can you retell them? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we, we need a little bump. Yeah. We need a little bump. <laughs> yes, that's you and I. A little bump. Um, okay, without further ado and delay. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man comes as the credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his fun, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from my kitchen, where he's hidden my weed. What was that thing? It's a food saver. My weed uh, Tupperware. (laughs) uh, With news and views, is Dan The sound was somewhere between an orgasm and vomiting. Mm. That is a quote from Emerson Collins, who was commenting on what was coming out of an American Airlines PA system aircraft that he was flying in for the entire flight. Did you guys hear this story, Freddie? No. This is crazy. What is it? The pilots reset the PA system. The flight attendants took up positions in front of all the PA stations, but the moaning continued. So this is, by the way, mid-flight... This isn't on the ground, is it? I thought this was actually happening. No, no, this is, this is all mid-flight. Okay. We have a recording coming up. Now, American Airlines have come out with this statement. Our maintenance team thoroughly inspected the aircraft and PA system and determined the sounds were caused by an issue with a PA amplifier. There was no external access to the system, which is important because I guess they feel that somebody thought that they were being hacked. Right. Oh. Following the initial report, our maintenance team thoroughly inspected the aircraft and PA system and determined the sounds were caused by a mechanical issue with the PA amplifier, which raises the volume of the PA system when the engines are running. Mm. Hmm. So now you're prepped. You can be a judge. See if you believe that this is an issue with the aircraft auto level control. Was that was that from a, an episode of uh, the Blue Hotel? Is that what that's from? <laughs> is that is that Jeff Woods? Tell that's me though. Funny. When I when I heard that, I first thing I thought of was Darren for some reason, and then that's you start the first playing. Thing I did. Of course, yeah. that's the first thing. I, you start playing. <laughs> but tell me this though: would that not freak you the fuck out on an airplane? Because it, 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 it would. I know. I saw some. I saw. Uh, 
some video from inside the plane and people were it was a bit upsetting and think about that you know like because in mid-flight that noise starts happening and uh i know the pilots came on they said hey we're we're like this is crazy shit that's like a box cutter across the pilot's throat or something oh yeah or a demon a demon (laughs) i forgot about demons yeah jesus man that's a demon it's a demon, yeah. <laughs> Those are demon noises. I, the most concerning thing was that, okay, if they've hacked the PA system, yeah. what else can they Exactly. Hack? Are we going to live through this? Is somebody That's remote the controlling big... the airplane? Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck, tell me. I don't know one thing, though. The other thing I thought, though, is if Dan Duran was on that flight, oh, man, he'd be talking to the manager. <laughs> he'd be up there saying, let me, I have some audio expertise. I'll crawl inside the fuselage. Mm-hmm. On that point, and we were talking about Fox News earlier today, either on the show or off, but I've often dreamed about hacking like Hannity's show, yeah. and he says something, and then I can have a little microphone and go, you're fucking stupid, you're wrong, you're, you're, wrong. Fucking wrong. you're an asshole, and then they have no idea where it's coming from. Or what just be inside right? the uh, little earpiece inside of Hannity's head, yeah. you're a fucking dick, Hannity. What? Yeah. Fuck you, face. <laughs> you're a fucking asshole. And then, and then when yeah. he's super confused, then you play this. Yeah. Fuck you, Hannity. <laughs> God damn it. That's great audio, Dan. Thank you. Great work. Great work. You know, it's funny. I saw that story and I completely uh, forgot all about it. Yeah, I couldn't. No kidding. I I can't believe. I mean, that sound is is a human voice. There's no way that it's uh, something running up, rubbing up against something in an auto level control. There's some digital file that got accessed or something by the system. Uh, uh, (laughs) No, it would be unsettling. I mean, that's the first thing that would come to my mind that something's going on with the pilot. Mm -hmm. Like. Well, the pilot came on and said, it's, we're sorry that we're trying to make this better. The flight attendant. Well, maybe he was attacking thing, yeah. the other pilot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> while he was like saying, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is your captain speaking. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's hammering the other pilot with his right hand. Uh, 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 Got him. Fuck you. Um, Dan, I don't have the story in front of me. Did, they, did this thing last the entire flight? Yeah. And oh not not God. that for, I, I edited it all the pieces together just so we wouldn't have to wait. But it was it was uh, you know every minute or so apparently uh, on and off throughout the entire. That would flight. be crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, Duran would be right there demanding his money back for that flight. I couldn't sleep. I'd be scared. You know, it's funny. I heard something the other day about, um, or I read this. You know, they're going to stop. Uh, you know, enforcing masks on airplanes. By the way. You know, that whole thing on September 30th when uh, the regulations are restricted for international flights into Canada and such. And somebody said, oh, you know, that the statement was, yeah, well, we've just found it too hard to enforce masks. This is an American airline saying we've just found it too hard to enforce masks on plane planes. And then the comment was, wait a second. We haven't been able to take a bottle of water onto a fucking plane for 20 years. We can enforce that, but you can't enforce masks. Or the plane won't move until everybody's buckled in. You, you know, right. and they, they, people are examining your shoes because 20 years ago, some lunatic had a, a, a firecracker in his fucking yeah. shoes. Yeah. But can't we can't stand, enforce can't, uh, masks. Yeah, you can't stand during turbulence. There's all sorts of 
rules that people just but, but think about that we, we all have to have mm-hmm. a certain milliliter of fluid on us yeah or you can't get on the plane or go through security but but for some reason this airline was like well we can't we found it very hard to enforce masks oh did you Oh, did you? But I have to have my seat table completely upright or the <laughs> yeah, fucking and, and, or the aerodynamics don't work. And what is the difference there? Freedom or rights, whatever you want to claim between a mask and a, a bottle of something or a mask and a seatbelt or a mask. And Here's what I would it's do. Just, like I, it's something else, man. I would just put this on my phone and just play it for security. Sir, we need you to uh, give us your water bottle. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. No, isn't it funny? We all thought of Darren as soon as we started playing this. Yeah. That's funny, man. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, we've talked. Right. We've tackled a lot of subjects today. Uh, yeah. Oysters, squirrels, sexuality, yeah. moaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't really think there's much more. Oh, I, I did. Costs, I did see a story. Costs. Pardon me, sir. Prescription costs. And uh, tomorrow, Fred, some great news for you. Really great news. What's that? that? There are uh, they're working on new varietals of apples, and I know that's important to you. Mm. Oh, I gotta see. Get a load of this. So we have the kids in the weekend, and Delise says, "Let's go pick apples." And it's one of those things where I'm thinking, oh, "Okay, it's what you do when you got your grandkids." No, I'm thinking Chudleys. <laughs> Don't no, it wasn't this. Chudley's. It was this guy. It was a buddy of Balls, as a matter of fact. And I sent Ball a note. At Budley's? <laughs> it was, yeah. No, it was uh, Laidlaw or something on Heritage Road. So we go in there and there's a sea of cars. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. And an actual lineup. And right away I'm annoyed. I'm thinking, I'm lining up to pick apples. So we line up a bit. And in the distance I see this sign. And it says entry fee thirteen ninety five per adult, nine ninety five per child, just to get in to pick their apples, which were twenty bucks a bag. What? So I quickly do the math, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, fifty bucks to get in <laughs> to go pick apples at twenty bucks a bag. Like yeah. what? Was I born yesterday? No. <laughs> Right? <laughs> no. I, so I said to Delise, I said, I have a big problem with this. So I went to the head of the line and I said to this guy, I said, what do you get when you go in there? And he said, well, there's a hayride and a, maybe a corn maze or something. And I said, to the tune of 50 bucks for a family of four, he goes, yeah. I said, are you going to do it? And he goes, well, my wife wants to. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was the quick conversation. So I went back and quickly did a family poll. And I looked at May and John and I said, do you guys really want to go in here? And both of them, I was so proud of them, said, no, not really. Right? Oh, I thought they were going to say, like, Johnson, I'm not spreading my cheeks, Grandpa, for this. So we did an out-of-boat face and, and left, on principle. Did so you, I, uh, saved, I saved 50 bucks. And just down the road, there's some orchards where you can go and pick the, the, the apples and just yeah. pay for what you pick. And <laughs> well, So I send Ball this thing, and I say, hey, this buddy of yours is a gangster. I said, 50 bucks to get in. <laughs> And Paul uh, agreed with me. Yeah. I thought you were going to say after that, we left there and went to Sobeys and I had the kids pick apples at the fucking <laughs> the produce counter. Come on, kids. Oh. We, we can go to Sobeys for free. Pick all the apples you want. 
I said, what would you rather do? And both kids said, let's go to the Apple factory because there's lots of candy there and yeah. they know about that. Oh, yeah. And May loves these stuffies. So I ended up buying her a $7 stuffy and buying uh, John this little thing. So I came out about 40 bucks ahead. Yeah. It was fantastic. You are. That's fantastic. And it really is. A, and they'll never forget that. When the time, that, the time that Grandpa El Cheapo turned around and <laughs> left the fucking apple picking Experience. But there was literally thousands of people there, right? Yeah, of course. Just gladly paying this money. But some, for some reason, it rubbed me the wrong way. Apparently. Yeah, that's somewhat a character. Um, all right. So, uh, <laughs> thanks like to... Uh, what's that, Daniel? And I like Fred at all. Not at all. No, that, sounds, that, that story is completely out of character. Um, <clears throat> I bet you're a real apple picker, eh, Howie? Well, first of all, I wouldn't be in the fucking line. <laughs> I know you wouldn't either, be. Either be. At all. Uh, but if I was, I would, I don't think I would, if I was already in the line and it was like 50 bucks, I'm like, well, we're here. Having yeah. said that, I drive by, uh, in order to get to my golf course on 25 north of the 401, I drive by Chudley's every day. Mm-hmm. Every day I go there, I should say. And it, uh, it is, uh, that lineup is there all the time on the weekends. Huge. That's quite the operation they have there. A huge hey, did you operation. guys ever play, uh, like crab apple wars when you were kids? Like I did. Yes. Crab apples at each other. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. I love crab apple. Love crab apples. You can't do that nowadays. So. Okay. You, poke, you can't throw eye, shit at a kid. Eye. Somebody might lose an eye. Uh, how come we never lost any fucking eyes? No, I don't know how that's ridiculous. Okay. Thanks to, uh, <laughs> Uh, BlueHotelPodcast.com uh, Tomorrow is uh, just us hanging out And uh, appreciate the Sherpa and his uh, wisdom And of course, uh, as always, uh, your participation, Dan Daru. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and HealthGage You can email us, we love to hear from you Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com And on whatever platform you're listening to, like us, subscribe, give us all the stars. We'd love you for it. For Hubble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, as Howard says, enjoy every goddamn day. From the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low. The jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans and just clap your hands. Or just clap your hands. Where's that?